You're listening to the Yoga Magic Podcast with host Ashley Sondergaard. Do you remember that first time you took a yoga class? Lying in Shavasana thinking, what is this magic? For me, yoga opened the door to a life full of self-discovery and self-care. This show shines a light on what is possible when you invest in your well-being. And not only for you, but for everyone around you. I interview women in the space of healing, spirituality, beauty, wellness, and of course, yoga. This community of listeners is excited to expand their minds, open new doors, be honest, and sometimes take a big old handstand fall on the way. My hope is that this show gifts you a library of accessible new practices that fill up your soul and open your mind. Not all will be perfect for you, but that's the best part. Trying it on and finding your personal favorites. This is Yoga Magic. Thanks for listening. Hello and welcome to the Yoga Magic Podcast, friends. I'm your host, Ashley Sondergaard. Thanks so much for tuning in today, everyone. I'm reporting live from my kitchen. Excited to share some information with you about 2023. I've been stewing on this conversation, really wanting to put it out there at the right time. And because the start to the year was really slow, there wasn't a lot of momentum. And frankly, I I wanted you to be able to relax kind of held off on putting it out there and because I just wasn't feeling it myself. So since the episode I did with the De Luna girls a couple episodes ago on living into our human design, I've really been listening to this idea of what I have energy towards because I'm a generator. So when I have energy towards something, I go for it. I start doing that thing and I'm really finding it to be invigorating. I'm having a lot of I don't know, like insights and an open mind to things that come in when I listen to what my gut has to say. So at the moment, <laughs> I literally got like a ping of information that like, okay, I'm going to record this, been gathering some information, been writing down ideas, and now it's time to record. So I'm standing in my kitchen in my coat and purse still on and just ready to record. <laughs> I don't know. Sometimes people think podcasting is like glamorous or something and... The truth is you can do it anywhere, literally anytime. One more tangent about this funny moment is that my dad is somebody who like never takes his coat off. I don't know. Do you guys know people that do this where they like come inside and they just always wear their jackets and we're in Minnesota, so it is cold. So you're, you're often wearing a jacket or a coat. He will come into our house and he'll just like spend hours with, still with his coat on. And I was always like, dad, what is happening? Like take off your coat, take, take a load off. But now I sort of get it. It's like when the, <laughs> when the energy hits, you got to just go and you don't have time to you know, take off your coat. Okay, friends, what we're talking about today is 2023 and the cosmic events, the energy of this particular year. There is a lot of really cool, really big deal cosmic energy happening in 2023. We'll talk about what those things are, but with any astrological information, it's really important to remember that we can't predict the future, right? That we don't know what's going to happen. What we do know is the energy that we're working with and how we can best support ourselves in these moments of transition. And that's why I don't do a ton of predictive astrology. I really like to understand what the energy is and what we can do on an individual basis just to lean into that and to understand the positive expression of that particular event and the shadow and how we can nurture ourselves in the meantime. So that's what this episode is about. Again, not a lot of predictive 
you know, energy and not a predictive episode by any means. If you love predictive ideas, please check out Channing Nicholas's podcast, her app. I love the way she presents information astrologically and what she thinks, you know, how it might affect the collective. So definitely refer to her. But if you're looking for some insight into what to do yourself, how to embrace your self-care practices, your routines, your wellness, this is the episode for you. So thanks for tuning in. Okay. First up, when I'm planning ahead for a year, when I'm looking ahead at a year, I look for a few things. First, I look at really big transits, big things that are happening. For example, this year, Pluto is changing signs. And Pluto doesn't change signs very often. In fact, it takes about 12 to 30 years for Pluto to move through a single sign before it changes signs. So that's a pretty big deal. That's a big transit. Secondly, I look to retrogrades. What planets are going retrograde? When is this happening? How rare is it? You know, the Mars retrograde that we just finished only happens every two to three years. So it is a lot more rare than, say, a Mercury retrograde, which happens multiple times during a year. We know it's coming. Those ones that don't happen as much, Mars, Venus, we'll talk about this year, those are a lot more impactful than, say, that Mercury retrograde that we can, that we can count on happening, kind of messing things up. And then finally, I look to eclipse season, the lunar nodes. What polarities are they hanging out in, right? What is the the cosmic energy of this 18 months? What lesson are we learning? And the lunar nodes, the eclipses will be shifting into a new sign this year as well. So there's a lot happening and we're going to talk about those things. So first, let's talk about what just finished. And that is both a Mars and Mercury retrograde. Mars retrograde, like I mentioned, are more rare than Mercury retrogrades, and they do pack a little bit more of a punch. When Mars is retrograde, Mars is the planet of frustration, of anger, of motivation, of action. And when it goes retrograde, it asks us to evaluate. Retrograde often means to evaluate or look back. Evaluate those areas of our life. You know, what are our triggers? What do we have motivation towards? What gets us to actually take action? What lights a fire in us? And over the past several months, we've been asked to do that, which means that perhaps that motivation, that fire hasn't been as strong as it is when we're moving forward, when we have that clear direction. But now, now that Mars is direct, Mercury is direct, we're starting to feel that excitement bubble up and we're starting to feel that forward momentum. There's a lot of forward momentum in 2023 and a lot of it has to do with where Mars is, with the Aries energy that we're working with, but it was a really slow start to the year. You might've noticed that, you know, you weren't feeling super motivated or you were tired from the holidays or, you know, that both momentum and communication were getting all jumbled and you just wanted to take a break. The good news is, is that's done and we're moving on. We're still in the Mars retrograde shadow for a couple more weeks, but we'll be out of it soon. And you're going to start to feel that excitement, that momentum to, to take action, to do things that you really evaluated over the last several months. So that's what's happened already. As we're looking ahead into the year, there are a few, like I said, big transits, big things to look out for. And in my opinion, two of the biggest that we're going to talk about quite a bit are are happening in the first part of the year. The first is that Saturn, the planet of restriction, of rules, of boundaries, is moving away from its 
home earth signs into Pisces. And what that means is that this idea of restriction, of boundaries, of rules is going to have a real test, is really going to be questioned. I'm not exactly sure what that'll look like on the collective, but I can tell you in the past five years when Saturn has been in its comfy earth signs, we've seen a lot of restriction. And now we're moving towards that lack of restriction. So what does this mean for self-care? What does this mean for everyday practices? In my opinion, having Saturn move into Pisces is the joining, the hand-holding of science and spirituality. And this year, as we see this shift again on March 7th, it might be a really fun practice to look at your wellness practices that are both of those things, right? That are backed in both science and have a spiritual connection. I think about like meditation as one of these examples, right? This idea that we can gain actual benefits, physical benefits, and be closer to God, be closer to something that's much larger to us. So again, Saturn moving into Pisces on March 7th is a big shift. We're going to see this in a lot of ways, specifically because it's been in this area of restriction in these earth signs for the last five years. I mean, look at what's happened in the last several years, like literal isolation. Boundaries are still a good thing. And I don't think that Saturn moving into Pisces means that we throw away our boundaries. That's self-care too, right? Boundaries are key. But it's rather how can you have those boundaries and still feel connected to something that is much larger than you. Be a part of something bigger. Pisces is the sign of fluidity. Goes with the flow. Is connected to emotions. Is connected to God, to expansion. So Saturn here in Pisces is really bringing those two together. And in its positive expression, I think it's that connection between spirituality and science. Not long after this happens on March 7th, the Pluto entering Aquarius on March 23rd is going to blow things out of the water, friends. This is a big deal. Like I said, Pluto doesn't change signs very often. And when it does, we really feel it on a collective level. When we're looking at birth charts and we look at Pluto, this is somewhat of a generational marker, right? It gives us a lot of information into what this generation's priorities are within, you know, that however many years Pluto is there, depending on its retrogrades. So with its shifting signs into Aquarius, we see almost a new generation. We think of it in that way. Pluto is the planet of destruction and rebirth. And I know that sounds kind of scary, but it's it's for our betterment. It's for the betterment of everyone to essentially break things down in order to build them up better. And when a planet or rather a, a country has a Pluto return, we've talked about this before on past episodes with Meredith. So when a country has its Pluto return, like the U.S. is having right now, we see some destruction. We see some falling away of that foundation that it was built on in order to rebuild, in order to be better. And while that can be painful, it does truly bring us to a better place. So Pluto right now is moving into Aquarius, away from Capricorn. Capricorn you know, is that idea of structure, similar to what we were talking about as it relates to Saturn, you know, structure, rules, boundaries, being able to succeed in what we think of as like getting all your goals and, and mastering and getting all the certificates like that's, that's Capricorn. Aquarius is a lot different. Aquarius is an air sign. It's about ideas, 
It's about the betterment of the collective. And it's about thinking in a very non-traditional way, whereas Capricorn was a bit more traditional. So Pluto shifting into Aquarius for the first time in many, many years is a huge change for us. This happens on March 23rd. And we're just seeing a glimpse of it because it moves into Aquarius and then it retrogrades back. So we're seeing a preview of what's to come in the coming years for essentially the next generation and us understanding, okay, what is the people? Like, what does that mean? What is the best thing for the people? How can we think outside the box? How can we start to explore technology? This is that Aquarius thinking in order to make the world better. That's what we're moving towards. I think, you know, again, I don't like to be predictive, but I think this will have a lot to do with climate change and with working in ways that that preserve our planet. How you can embrace this on an individual level, on a self-care level, is to really evaluate what are your practices and how consumption-based are they? This is something I struggle with quite a bit. Of, you know, every time I want to try something, whether it be like a new supplement or a new practice, I tend to buy things. I don't, I don't need to buy things in order to be well. I can simply stop consuming so, so much. And understanding that, okay, like being well, taking care of myself doesn't mean that I have to consume or use resources. It can literally be things like meditating. I'm using meditating as an example. It can be things like drinking water and moving my body. Those are not resource intensive and yet they're still very beneficial. So thinking about breaking down some structures that are no longer serving us and stepping into this new age will be something we're all thinking about. Again, it relates to technology. I think it has a lot to do with with our resources, with making the world a better place and truly preserving the planet. So those are the big transits that I want to touch on. And let's talk about retrogrades next. We're not going to go into too much detail about retrogrades, luckily, because we've been through one of the biggest ones and we're done with it. And now we're moving on, which is great. But Mercury goes retrograde every year, about three times a year. We just finished up a Mercury retrograde. And as many of you know, Mercury is the planet of communication, technology. And when it goes retrograde, we're asked to evaluate those areas, right? How are we communicating with people? How are we gathering information? We tend to see some annoying things in the technology department, in messaging. I mean, this is really those times where you you say something and perhaps like you mean one thing, your intent is one thing, and it comes out a completely different way to someone else. That's, you know, part of the Mercury retrograde, but it doesn't have to be a huge deal. The Mercury retrogrades are happening April 21st to May 14th, August 23rd to September 14th, and December 13th into January 1st of next year. So Mercury retrograde to be expected. The retrograde that we do want to pay some attention to is the Venus retrograde that's happening in Leo this summer. So Venus will officially go retrograde on July 22nd. And in the sign of Leo, we can expect for this to be somewhat dramatic (laughs) as Leo likes to be. Venus is our planet to look to love and our understanding of sensuality and romantic love, but also the things that we desire and the things that we value. And when a planet goes retrograde, again, we're asked to evaluate. So this summer, when Venus is in retrograde, we're really looking at these areas of our life you know, our pleasures, the things that bring us joy, the things that bring us 
true value, that bring value to every day. We might notice that, you know, that passion for life, that passion for things like sex and pleasure aren't as explosive during this time, during this retrograde period, but we're evaluating other areas that are. How can we understand what we value, what brings us joy, so that when the retrograde ends on September 3rd, we have a clear vision of that and we can reach for those particular values, those particular pleasures more and more. So what this means for self-care in your practices is that you can really evaluate your relationship with creativity. And, you know, is that something that's part of your routines right now? Are you expressing yourself in the way that you need to? For some people that might be big and exuberant and full of creative practices, painting and writing and sharing. For others, it might just be free writing and just writing in your journal or singing in the shower, whatever it is, but giving yourself some time to evaluate, like how does creativity play into my practices? What can I do to bring more of those into my everyday life? You know, some people find creativity in baking or they find a lot of creativity in social media. I think there's so much that we can do to express ourselves and, and find that joy that we aren't even realizing it. So over the summer, give yourself some time, look at your creative expression and Don't be alarmed if perhaps, you know, your sensuality is a little bit slow. Your libido isn't quite as it normally is. We might all be feeling that Venus retrograde in Leo. Give yourself some time. Enjoy the hot of the summer because it will be done in September and you'll be ready to move on with all of this new information that you gathered. One more funny thing about Venus retrograde. If there was ever a time for a long lost lover to show up again, it's during a Venus retrograde. (laughs) Literally, this is when we dream of past lovers. We see them randomly. Does it mean something? Maybe. Who knows? And that's for you to explore. But just know that that sometimes happens during Venus retrograde periods. All right. Next, I want to talk about the lunar nodes and the eclipse season. So I've done some past episodes on eclipses and just that we don't have to be afraid of them. They are very important. They're arguably the most important thing on an annual basis that we look at in astrology, but they're nothing to be feared. And as I've started, you know, in the last several years, really diving into the lunar nodes, they've been this area of interest for me. I find so much interest in what the lunar nodes can tell us. First, when you're looking at it in a birth chart, it gives us a lot of perspective into what you're here to do, what you're here in this life to do over the course of your entire life. You know, the energy that you come in with, that's your south node, and the energy that you're moving towards, which is always the opposite, north node. So the lunar nodes, they're imaginary points on the moon. They are opposite of one another. The south node is one sign and the north node is literally the opposite sign. And when I look at opposites in astrology, what's so cool is that they have a lot of similarities. They have things that bind them together, but they do these things, whatever it is, in very different ways. And so when we're looking at lunar nodes and when they change signs like they're going to this year, we can start to feel what a general lesson is that we're learning at this time. So let's pull it back to the birth chart. In the birth chart, your lunar nodes are going to tell you what your your purpose is or what you're learning over the course of your entire life. And 
in the collective right now, the lunar nodes, when they change signs, we start to see, you know, okay, this is a theme, a lot of themes in the collective that we're noticing, um, some lessons that we're learning that relate to these two opposing signs, okay? So we've been in the axis of Scorpio and Taurus for the last year, a little over a year, because lunar nodes stay in one area for about 18 months. And this has been asking us to explore our relationships with that Scorpio-Taurus axis. Scorpio being about the things in our life that are really hard. Grief, death, um, those deeper layers of, you know, our shadow. And a lot of us have had to come to terms with some of the things that were lurking under the surface as we came out of years of isolation and now we're you know out in the light again we had to deal with some really tough things that's that scorpio side of the lunar axis and then taurus similar in its energy in that both scorpio and taurus really play with this idea of pleasure they are interested in pleasure taurus is more of the sort of luxurious side of that you know earthly pleasure food, things like, you know, being in the body. And we've been asked on so many levels to explore our relationship with scarcity in these areas. Think about, you know, scarcity and food and the shelves, not having baby formula. That's something that comes to my mind. Or even, you know, like the egg shortage right now, these things are really asking us to explore, like, what's our relationship with the things that have been so easy in the past that are, we just kind of took for granted, right? The things that food, so easy. We had those things and now, you know, it's a little bit harder to actually access some of those things. So can we be more grateful? Can we be more grateful for our day-to-day pleasures? Can we let go of some of that grief, some of that heaviness that is Scorpio and move towards gratitude? That's how I've seen this Scorpio-Taurus axis. On April 20th, for the first time, we move into the Aries-Libra axis. And this is arguably my favorite axis to explore because my lunar nodes are here. So if you're someone who was born around that like 86 time, you are having a lunar nodal return, which means they're back in the same place as they were when you were born. And this is a big deal. We kind of think of this as a a cycle, a new cycle in your life. Again, if you're having a lunar nodal return. If you're not, this is still very important for us because the lunar nodes, again, give us this like theme for the collective. So for the first time, we're shifting into that Aries-Libra axis. The new moon solar eclipse on April 20th is in Aries. Now, Aries and Libra is the we-me Access. Libra being the we, Aries being the me. And this is so impactful and so resonant, so important for self-care. Because when we're asked to step outside of the people-pleasing, the doing, the taking care of everyone else, and do things for ourselves, that is radical. You know, I talk about that all the time on this show. That is really out of the box. And for us as a collective to be exploring this once again, there's going to be a lot of conversations about what we're doing to take care of ourselves and take care of others. I just wrote a post on this yesterday about this idea that I can have my dreams while still holding 
the dreams of my children. Like I can do that as a mother. Did I always know that that was true? No. When I was growing up, I really believed that once you became a mother, that was your life and that was what you focused on. And, and, you know, obviously that's conditioning and things that I saw in, in my upbringing. But the truth is once I started to see other women who were just killing their careers. They were doing all the things. They were living this full life. They were traveling. They had amazing marriages and they had beautiful children that they loved. That was when it clicked for me that, oh, wow, this is this is actually something that creates more abundance. So for me, this idea of the we, me is this, this relationship with holding your own dreams while also being there for your children, nurturing your family. For you, this might look a little bit different. This might be, you know, am I carving out enough time for myself while also still holding up the team that I run at work or my family, my parents? Libra has so many amazing qualities. And sometimes I think Libra gets thrown under the bus for being this people pleaser. That's the shadow of Libra, right? Is the people pleaser. The positive, that light expression of Libra is harmony, is balance, is bringing literally that the scales, that's the symbol for Libra, the scales, that balance to life. And so someone that is truly embodying the Libra energy and its positive expression understands that it's both of these things. The positive expression of Aries is to understand that we as individuals are important that nurturing the self is nurturing the collective. And the shadow of that Aries is to become so self-absorbed that we forget about the other. So do you see where these start to kind of play out together? Libra being the people pleaser in its shadow, Aries being the self-indulgent. And we want to find the harmony, the balance of both. So for that first time, April 20th, we get a conversation in this Aries energy. What is it that we need to do to strike balance in taking care of ourselves and taking care of others? The next eclipse happens in Scorpio on May 5th. So we're kind of going back to that Scorpio-Taurus conversation. And I'm going to be honest, that Scorpio May 5th lunar eclipse is going to be tough. It's going to be our last time, last punch to really look at our grief. If shadow work is something that you find to be healing, something that you find to be helpful, really take some time to do it here. Do any more digging that you need to do to unearth the things that might hold you down, that pull you out of that magnetic state. Because when we come back to Taurus in October, we're going to be like, okay, we're here. We're done with this energy. We're moving on. So shadow work on May 5th. And then the next eclipse, so let me go back because I'm kind of going them, doing them really fast. So that new moon solar eclipse is in Aries. First time we're looking at the Aries Libra axis on April 20th. Next full moon lunar eclipse is in Scorpio on May 5th. New moon solar eclipse in Libra on, in October. So now we're in a different season. There's We think of eclipses as seasons where there's a few eclipses happening and it's a great time to really just take extra rest, observe, not be doing a whole lot of ritual or manifestation work because frankly, the energy is very unpredictable. So just resting. So we have the spring, sort of like April, May lunar eclipse energy, and then the next set being in October, and that's October 14th. This is where we're exploring Libra and October 28th in Taurus. So that Libra October 14th eclipse is our first time looking at Libra. And again, exploring like, where might we be people pleasing? Where might we be having some leaky energy for other people? 
where we can actually hold that in balance so we have enough energy for ourselves. And while you're doing this exploration over the, the entire year, this isn't just at these, these dates. This is something we're looking at over the course of the entire year. Looking at what are the things that bring you energy, you, that Aries individual, and what are the things that bring energy to be with others, like that exuberant magnetic energy, that Libra. You get to look at those. What do those look like for you? Is being social something that like, one, recharges you and it brings energy to other people? Great. Go with that. Perhaps it's not that. Perhaps being with other people is really leaky for you. It it takes away some of your energy, but you're one of those people who makes other people feel really great. Interesting to note. Do some study in this area. And then when you're looking at your Taurus and your Scorpio for the last few times, again, it's looking at the shadow, finding where can you see gratitude in these moments of pain and growth that we've had over the last several years. So spring is both Aries and Scorpio. Fall and that October time is both Libra and Taurus, but we think of them as seasons. So give yourself some time to rest, to do some self-study. Before we go back at the very, before we finish this episode at the very end, I'm going to just list off all of these dates so that you have things because there's kind of a lot of dates. So lunar lunar notes, shifting for the first time, and we'll be exploring both Aries and Libra and Scorpio and Taurus. Before we move on to a couple great days to mark down for the year, there is a lot of forward momentum this year, and a lot of that has to do with Aries. First, you know, coming out of that Mars retrograde, Mars going direct early in the year, the lunar nodes shifting into that Aries Libra axis, Saturn getting out of its restrictive earth signs and moving into that more fluid Pisces. There is a lot of energy in Aries. Venus is going to be there later. I mean, there's a lot of energy here. And why that's important is because Aries is the first sign of the Zodiac. Aries is that sign that says, hey, take your first step forward. Be the person that's in the front. Be the one who's willing to take the first step and try new things. Is it always super clean? No. When I think about Aries, I think of like that brave, confident person who steps out in the front and is willing to do the hard things with people following behind. This is that leader. And do they make mistakes? Yes, they do. That's how they learn. So there's a lot of forward momentum and that might mean you're trying new things and you're putting some initiatives forward and they might not go super well and that's okay. That's part of this process. But if you're feeling excited, you're feeling like you have energy to do things that perhaps you hadn't had energy to do in the past, go with it. Be brave, be confident, embrace that Aries energy and be the person in the front. You can do it. A few great days to mark in your calendar because who doesn't love some great days? (laughs) Do we think, you know, do we see major things happening on these specific dates sometimes? But generally it's like we're looking around this time. We'll see like, oh, okay, great. Here's some cool things happening. March 1st is the first one to mark down. Venus is conjunct Jupiter and Aries. So Venus and Jupiter come together. These are our two benefics, our two planets that bring us the most good, the the gifts, the blessings, Venus being more in this area of love, pleasure, Jupiter being in this area of blessings, of abundance, and they're coming together in the sign of Aries. So is there going to be a lot of energy on March 1st? Heck yeah. If you have a dominant Aries in your chart, whether you're an Aries rising, an Aries sun, you have your Aries lunar nodes, 
um, north node or south node there, heck yeah, this is going to be a really exciting day. Perhaps you do something really big that day. You launch something you've been working on or you take a new initiative at this time. So March 1st. March 16th, you know, if you might notice, guys, there's a lot happening in March. March is like the month. So much happening here. So March 16th, Venus is at home in Taurus. So it moves away from Aries into Taurus. And this is a great day for money. This is a great day for things. Taurus is hard for me sometimes to like talk about without talking about possessions because it doesn't always have to be possessions. It can be things like you know, those really luxurious pieces of our life, our favorite robes, sensuality, delicious food, right? It doesn't have to necessarily be like expensive, but when Venus is here at home, we start to see just that extra goodiness, that yumminess of life. It's a great time, I think, to do a gratitude practice. If you were going to do a gratitude practice, go through your life and just write down the things that you are grateful for, do it on March 16th. And then the next one I bring up is May 16th when Jupiter moves into Taurus. So when Jupiter moves into Taurus, we see some serious excitement in the money department. It can swing to a little bit like overspending. Um, So just be cautionary of your spending around this time. But for the most part, um, lots of, of good luck, good energy, good blessings coming the way in the department of the things that, you know, we spend money on, the things that um, we do to make money, perhaps it relates to your work. Um, but yeah, just a little little blessing. Write those dates down. March 1st is at Venus and Jupiter in Aries. March 16th, Venus is at home in, in Taurus. And then May 16th, Jupiter enters Taurus. So outside of all of these events, you know, we talked about some of the bigger transits. We talked about eclipses and retrogrades. We also have, you know, the cycle of the moon every month, right? Those new moons, those full moons. Reminder about moons, and I'm not going to go through all of them. When we're looking at moons, we're really just working with that really predictable cycle of the new moon, right? That's where we set our intentions. And the full moon, where we release anything that's holding us back, where we let go. So if you're someone who likes to work with the moon regularly, set aside time on the new moons to set some intentions for the next lunar cycle, for the next 28 days. When you get to that halfway point, that full moon, that fullest energy, do some releasing. Let go of the things that are going to pull you back or hold you back in the home stretch of your manifestation. And then another 14 days and you're back at a new moon. And it helps to understand the sign that these moons are in, right? So if you've got a new moon in Leo, you're setting intentions around the areas of Leo, those themes of Leo, creativity, joy, children, right? So even just Googling the sign that that particular moon is in and asking yourself, like, how might I embody this right now? Now, I want to give you one more layer, and I've talked about this before, of how you can apply it to your life. And that's to apply it to the houses that you'll see these energies show up in. And that's true of literally everything we just talked about today. So how you do this is first, get your birth chart. You can get it for free. You can get it online, astro.com, channynicholas.com. I can do a chart reading for you. I'd love to always do a reading. Once you've got your birth chart and you know that it's accurate time, that birth information is accurate because that's what sets the houses into motion, you can see, okay, where are my houses? So if the planets, the sun, 
the moon. Those are the players on the stage. They're the actors. The sign that they're in is the costume that they're wearing. So let's talk about it in this the scope of a new moon. If a new moon is, again, say in Leo, the new moon is that intention setting, and it's showing up in the sign of Leo, which is all about creativity and joy and children. So it's wearing this like creative outfit. The house that it's in, in your chart, is the area of the life, area of your life that you'll see this show up in the most, okay? So let's say that new moon in Leo is showing up in your fourth house. Fourth house is home life, your foundation. It's your physical home, and it's also the people that are around you in your home. So, okay, you know what? There's a new moon. I'm going to set an intention in Leo. I'm going to set an intention to be more creative fourth house in my home. What does that mean for me? Perhaps that means doing some journaling in the morning. Perhaps that means having some time to just think freely, have mental space, have a day where I don't, I'm not overly scheduled and I just spend time at home and I listen to the things come up. So that's how you might use, you know, your specific birth chart in order to apply what's happening in the sky to your practices. Let's apply this to another event. So that March 1st Venus conjunct Jupiter and Aries is a is an awesome day and where you might see this show up in your chart is where Aries lives in your chart. What house is Aries in? So for me, Aries is in my first house. I'm an Aries rising. And so for me, this is going to show up in literally who I am and how I show up. I'm going to see a lot of blessings in this area of rebirth, right? This idea of the first house. I might even see it in my physical body because first house is also the physical body. So again, seeing, okay, this, whatever's happening, whatever event is happening, what sign that's in, look and see in your chart what house that sign happens to fall into because we have all 12 signs within our house. Our rising sign is always the first house. If that helps you to think about this, okay? So if Aries is the first house for me, Taurus is the second house, Gemini is the third, and so on and so forth. This is like a little bit more complicated astrology. And I know when I explain this to people, I feel like it takes several iterations for it to click, but once it does, you start to understand it. And so all you need to know for now is to look up your chart and understand what sign is being triggered outside, you know, in the cosmos at any given moment and where that applies, what house that's in for you. That's at a, at a basic level. All right, so let's go back and review, get it all put together in one place. Sometimes I like to ramble in these episodes, so hopefully this brings it all together. So not a lot happening between now and March. March is definitely a lot. March is going to be the month of a lot of good things, a lot of shifting. It's a good time. So March 1st, Venus conjunct Jupiter in Aries. We see that forward momentum. We see blessings in the area of our chart that Aries lives. And really, again, that idea of being the first, being the leader, taking that step, taking initiative. March 7th, Saturn moves into Pisces. So this idea of restriction is starting to play with fluidity and asking ourselves, like, where do we see our practices that live in both of those worlds that are both spiritual and science and nature? Do we have those practices? March 16th, Venus will move into its home in Taurus. So that's a little blessing in this area of Taurus. Lots of good things in our our money department. I think that's where we do our gratitude practice, March 16th. March 23rd is when Pluto shifts for the first time into Aquarius before it goes back later in the year. But this is that time where we think about 
what are we consuming? You know, what, how much are we utilizing in our practices and our self-care practices, just consumption in general? Is there a way we can leave a little less of a carbon footprint in the things that we're doing, the practices that we're doing? April 20th is that first lunar node eclipse in Aries. So we start to explore the Aries Libra axis, Aries being the me, Libra being the we. May 5th is the Scorpio eclipse that Scorpio, I think it's the last Scorpio eclipse that we'll deal with. And so it's that final time to do major shadow work, unearthing, release anything that we're holding in this areas of grief so that we can be more magnetic. May 16th, Jupiter in Taurus. That's exuberant, lots of lots of abundance in the area of money, but also is probably a good time to just check yourself. Don't overspend, don't overindulge. July 22nd, so it's kind of a calm couple of months after May. July 22nd is Venus retrograde in Leo. So we start to explore the themes of love, of pleasure, of joy as it relates to creativity, creating life. This is a quick tangent, but this might be a really great time, friends, to do some exploration around how you value creating life, creating children. If that's something you've toyed with, and that's something I always toyed with for a very long time, was like, do I really want to do this? Leo has a lot to do with children. And so doing some exploration, doing some review, again, retrograde in that area would also be helpful. So that's July 22nd. And then we see the last set of eclipses, October 14th and October 28th. October 14th being that Libra eclipse, exploring the themes of people pleasing, giving away too much power, the we, me. And then finally that Taurus eclipse on October 28th, where can we find that final moment of gratitude in the body, in the Taurus energy, letting go of the heavy Scorpio and being here now in this amazing, luxurious life that we have. So that was the fast and dirty. I'll probably put this out on Instagram as well, all of these dates. Um, but that's my take on the year and some things, some practices, some themes that you can do to make it a part of your ritual, make it a part of your routines. I really hope this episode was helpful. And it's my first time really taking a crack at putting out some thoughts, my own perspectives on the things that are coming up. So I'd love your feedback. If you want to dive into this on a personal level and you're like, I don't really understand how this applies to my houses or to the things that are coming up for me, then please let's do a session together. I would love to sit down and chat with you, whether it be a birth chart reading, we can apply a little bit to the year or a cosmic self-care session. More information on that in the show notes. But again, I would really love to just apply this to your life. What are you doing right now? What are the practices that you do on a regular basis? How can we shift them a little bit to make them more impactful for you and also work with what's happening in the sky right now? Okay, before we go, I mentioned that I was doing this episode and just had any asked if you guys had any questions about anything astrology related. So a few things I wanted to answer. The first question is transits. What the heck are they and why do they matter? Let's do a deep dive into the houses. I love this idea. I'm going to do a full solo episode on the houses, how to use them in more detail than I just explained today. But let me give some information into transits and what that is versus aspects and just like all these words in astrology that don't make a lot of sense. So transits are what we were talking about today when we were talking about, okay, Saturn is moving into Pisces. Transits have to do with movement. As planets are moving from signs to sign, that is 
what's causing a transit. So we say like the big transits for the year is that this planet is moving into this. Now, aspects are what we think of as like angles or relationships to other things in the chart. So your sun might be in aspect to your moon. Say it's conjunct, which is together. The sun and moon are conjunct. We think of that as an aspect. And that doesn't move. That stays the same. It's a little complicated because when we think about how what's happening in the sky, the transits impact our chart, they can be in aspect to our chart, right? So like the sun can be conjunct or can be square our moon, Um, But for now, all you really need to think about are those transits. That's what's moving. That's what's happening in the sky. And if you want to apply it on a really basic level, apply it specifically to the houses, to where you see that particular sign. Okay. So again, we'll say Saturn moves into Pisces. Where's Pisces in my chart? What house is Pisces in my chart? Oh, it's in the second house of money. If you're ever like, what house, what does this house mean? Just Google second house astrology, fifth house astrology. Like what do these things mean? really easy answers in Google. The next question was, how do you work with a child's birth chart? And I was so inspired by this convo, I ended up doing a reel on it because it's something that I think is so interesting. So birth charts of children are really helpful as a parent because they can give us information about you know, what the positive and the shadow is of that particular energy of that child in all different areas. The cautionary with pulling a birth chart for a child is that you don't want to project anything on them, right? And I'm going to link in the show notes an episode to a conversation I had with Luminary Astrology because she really specializes in this area around understanding your children's chart. But if you know, okay, my my daughter is an Aries sun, that means in her positive expression, she is bright and confident and willing to try new things and really understands the importance of the self, great. I also know that the shadow is that she can be really self-indulgent. Now, I don't want to project that on her. I don't want to tell her that that is what she is because it isn't. It's, you know, she has free will, but I can understand, well, I want to work with the polarity of that and I can see her shift into the shadow at times. So my job is to help her move towards that positive expression of that particular energy. So the things to look at in a birth chart, first and foremost, looking at their moon sign. Moon is so helpful because moon is what is how they view you as mother. I'm gonna, and I'm saying this, I'm assuming you're a mother. If you're a father, you look at the sun. But if you're a mother, moon is mother, how they view you. It's where they feel safe. So the sign that their moon is in, whatever you know, positive energies tend to live in that sign, that's what you want to you want to embody the most. So I'll use Lily as an example. Lily has a Leo moon and the positive of Leo is creative and joyful and fun loving. So that's how I try to show up for her. The shadow of Leo is kind of over the top. It's like, Hey, look at me. I'm, you know, I need to be seen. So I try not to steal her thunder at times, you know, when I'm around her really, even like, especially around her friends. Like she doesn't want me to be that extra mom. So that's how you can apply the moon is to know that that's how they view you and they feel safe. The second thing to look at is their mercury. I think in my, again, this is just my opinion about what to look at in the chart. Cause you can look at tons of things. Mercury is going to tell you how they communicate and how they learn. So understanding like, okay, 
wow, they have a Mercury in Taurus. That means that they're a little bit slower in learning things, but once they learn it, it really settles in and they hold on to that, right? And they also might communicate in a more methodical, slow, conscious way. Great. Helpful to know that. The third piece is to look at their sun because that's where they bring energy in. Knowing their sun, and it's just at a core level, it's just like, okay, when they're in their energy, when they're feeling themselves, literally, like when they are vibrant and shiny, they're showing up as that positive expression of their sun. And when they are perhaps depleted or feeling stifled in any way or being held back, that's when they move into the shadow of that particular sign. So moon, Mercury, sun. Those are the three things that I like to look at, but you can look at, you can study your child's birth chart. Somebody asked, is it too, when is it too early to look at a child's birth chart? I don't think it's ever, if it's your child, it's never too early to look at it. Um, But again, just really be cautious not to project that or give them excuses. You know, we use astrology to have empathy for people to understand where they're coming from, but we don't use it as excuses. So saying, oh, well, she's really self-indulgent because she's an Aries son. That's not okay. No, we want to help them move into that most positive expression of all of those signs so that they can show up as the best version of themselves. And then one last question about about children, a lot of questions about kids and being a, having a newborn. I have a lot of listeners right now who are in that that process of postpartum, are preparing for baby, just like I've been in. So I've, this is very close to my heart. But what I would say in in context to this particular year is that there is a lot of energy, a lot of forward energy, a lot of motivation, a lot of momentum. And for someone who is postpartum, for someone who's in that first process of you know life with a newborn, you don't have to do all the things. You don't. You don't have to clean your house. You don't have to start new self-care projects unless that feels good. All you have to do is nurture yourself and your baby. So if you feel pressure this year, especially as everyone is like hustling and bustling around, you can ignore that because you have momentum to take care of yourself and your baby. That's it. That is your priority. Don't get you know overly consumed with shoulds, with things that other people are doing. And you know I think that's true of everyone this year, friends. Is to stay in your lane. You know you don't have to look at what other people are doing. You get to listen to what nourishes you, what fills up your cup. The things that I presented today, these are ideas. These are themes of you know study of self study of self care. But at the end of the day, you know what practices are best. You know what fills up your cup. And if you don't and you want some guidance, let's work together. But for now, listen to when you feel that full body. Yes. When you feel like, yeah, I'm, I'm really full right now. And when you're not and tweak the things that you're doing so that you have more of the first and a little less of the second, because we're always going to have both, right? It's a dance. Listen to your body. Listen to yourself. You're the best expert on all of these things. Okay, friends, thanks again for tuning in. I'm so grateful for you. If you are new to the show, I'm so happy you're here. If you've been listening for a long time, so happy as well. You can follow the Yoga Magic Podcast on Instagram at Yoga Magic Podcast. Hop on the newsletter. There's information in the show notes on how to get on that. You get a free Discover Your Self-Care mini course when you sign up for our newsletter. And as always, I'm just, I'm so grateful when you share this, share this with someone who you think might benefit from learning a little bit about the year, about their self-care practices. That's how this show grows. Yeah, that's all I have to say. Thank you, everybody. I'm so grateful for you. We'll see you next week.